This is the Federal Chronicles News of the Week for March 7th, 2020. Super Tuesday post-game show. Chris Matthews fired from his own show on MSNBC for telling the truth about what the establishment really wants this November. A federal judge sides with evil tech giant Google and throws out Tulsi Gabbard's case while the DNC changes the rules again. But first, we talk about an invitation to do the show live in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania this September and an update on the coronavirus. The Fedora Chronicles is brought to you by our patrons on patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you can get early access to the Fedora Chronicles radio show and the show page and the show notes, behind-the-scenes banter, and more. Zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles is where you can purchase t-shirts, coffee mugs, and more with our logo and slogans right on them. 12% of every sale goes to keeping this podcast live and on the air. Commentary on pop culture and current events through the perspective of film snobs and diesel punks, with topic ranging from true crime, paranormal, and conspiracy theories. You can now listen to our podcast on Apple's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, what's this new service called? And Overcast. If your favorite podcast service doesn't have the Fedora Chronicles radio show on it, let us know and we'll fix it right away. On behalf of Jason Cousineau and myself, Eric Render King Fisk, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And I don't <coughs> yeah, I'm fighting the coronavirus. Okay, uh, should we start the show with that? Jay's fighting the coronavirus. And- I don't have it. I'm just joking. <laughs> Jeez. If, if you hear that wet, slippery sound, like the... Yeah. Jay is smothering himself with Purell hand sanitizer. So don't worry. You can't catch the coronavirus. By listening on the radio. And that's that's something I think is funny is they there's a lot of people out there wearing masks. It's like, okay, that's not really going to save you. Right. It's not going to prevent anything. It's not even going to really make it more difficult for you to get the coronavirus. Yeah. Wash your damn hands. Wash your damn hands. Cover and, your mouth when you cough. And, not with your damn hands. Right. As, as a Fedora Chronicles radio show, News of the Week with Jason Cousineau, public service announcement. Don't forget to wash your hands often and be sure to use real soap, not that fragrancy, frou-frou soap that your wife or your grandma has. I mean, real man soap. Like, uh, I, I, I don't know, this, this, bit, this bit is just going downhill fast. <laughs> what, here's what you do. Like... It, it, don't touch sur- surfaces in public spaces <laughs> and then touch your eyes or put your fingers in your mouth or pick your nose. Right. Don't touch surfaces in public places and touch sensitive areas on your body. It's not that sensitive it, areas sounds ooh, <laughs> ooh sensitive areas. Ooh, sensitive. Mm, yeah, baby. Yeah. Ribbed for that's, her that's... pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> it just leave, just leave it to you're Jay. a sick bastard. I know why I like you. All right, just so... leave, just leave it to Eric and Jay to make like weird, sophomoric sexual references. Not even five minutes into the show. 
Just, you know. I mean, there's a reason why people tune in, and I bet a lot of them are wondering what those are right now. All right. So So let's talk about Harrisburg for a second. Yeah. So the thing is, is that on one of the groups that we now belong to, um, what is the specific name? Does it it really matter which group that it is? It's it's a a Comic-Con collective Facebook group. And I'm actually trying to get to the specific link. Yeah, it's the Comic Con Network, and I and I posted this um, a couple of days ago. A year ago, I was in negotiations with a convention executive to do a panel on quote podcasting the paranormal unquote. I was really excited to do this panel and even recorded and even recorded an episode of the podcast live on stage in front of a studio audience with my co-host. Fortunately or unfortunately, this convention went belly up in the three weeks before the convention was supposed to happen, and we had to cancel our plans. What I would like to know, is there any convention in the Northeast or on the East Coast that would like me and my co-host to do this for them on one of the nights or afternoons of their convention? And a couple of people liked this post, And then Andrew Richard Melius sent us a link to the Harrisburg, yeah, Harrisburg Comic and Pop Con 2020, which is going to be held at the Harrisburg Mall in Pennsylvania. And the dates. What about the dates, Eric? It would be nice if you actually had. Oh, I actually did have that. The the up. And um, (laughs) it's scheduled for September 19th and 20th of this year. And looking at his page and talking to Andrew for a couple of minutes this morning, this looks like something that we could actually do. We could, this is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Just record an episode of the podcast in front of a, in front of a live audience. Okay. And, And we've come close to doing this a couple of times. We were going to do it at Hypericon, um, in the Nashville area. And that it didn't really go belly up as it were. It just, the people behind Hypericon did not want to promote their convention. And they waited until like maybe five days to announce all the events. And we didn't even we didn't even know if we were going to go or not until maybe a week before the convention. Right. Which is just not enough time. Right. <clears throat> and it, it didn't even seem like this was a real convention. It just seemed like a couple of nerdy, geeky friends doing cosplay you know, 50 of your closest friends hanging out and just doing nerdy things. And it's, we actually did the cost benefit analysis and it would, it would, we would have been better off taking the money that we would have spent going to Nashville for Hypericon and just taking that money and just burning it out in the backyard or, or just, or, or just throwing a local party here in the area. We should have kept safe, kept that money, saved the money, and tried to go to Exeter. Go to the Exeter UFO convention later that summer. If we had thought about it and if they would have us. Right. So. Yeah, so Harrisburg, you said, is is in September? Yep, September 19th and 20th, 2020. Yeah, I mean, I might, I got to see what's going on because I might actually be moving around that. Sure. But if not, then, uh, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be great. That would be awesome. And and what we'll probably do is we will probably do um, um, 
the world of the paranormal's greatest hits 2020 and talk about all the interesting things in the realm of the paranormal and conspiracy theories uh, that we've talked about so far this year and even do some of the show prep that um, I've already started for the Exeter convention if we happen to get invited to that as well. So, but I, I did, I did fill out a form online and I know that, I know that you can't do both. It's probably one or the other. Yeah. Right. So it just, it just, it just depends on what happens over the next couple of months. And then, and then, um, just as, just as an, as an aside, we're going to have Andrew on the podcast in an upcoming episode to talk more about what's going on at the convention and help him get the word out. That sounds good to me. Yeah, you know what? Because he was even if we end up not going, uh, I have no problem with helping people get the word out. That's that's another thing that we wanted to do is at the beginning or end of every podcast is to talk about um, conventions, specifically paranormal conventions, but also um, conventions like like Andrews Comic Con, pop culture stuff. So let's just keep that keep that on the on the back burner and and we'll keep you posted with that. But while we're talking about conventions, there are a couple of conventions that are about six months away or five months away that are already canceling because of the coronavirus. Yeah. I I, I think there's a lot of a lot of people are getting too scared of it. I mean it's not that it's there's nothing there to not I mean, you not that you shouldn't worry about it, but I mean there is. Did I send you the link to the Johns Hopkins page? Uh, you probably did, and I haven't opened it yet. Why don't you tell us all about it? Okay. So there's I have a link to uh, Johns Hopkins page, and it is the global cases. Yes, of the coronavirus. Yes, yes, you sent that to me via messenger. Yeah, that's an, and, that's also on our show notes. Right. So there is currently in the United States, there are 162 deaths from the coronavirus. Is this a web page that keeps updating? Uh, no, you have to manually update it. Okay. Yeah. You right. mean you have to hit refresh? Exactly. You got to hit refresh to get the latest. Okay. Um, most of them in the United States, as you can imagine, are in San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, but Seattle is also really huge. Yes. Um, there have been, in fact, only one death from the coronavirus. There's been 11 deaths total in the United States, one of which was in California. The other 10 were actually in Seattle. And there's been eight people that have recovered. Uh, so, I mean, is it dangerous? Yes. Yes, it is. But you need to just kind of be smart about how you go about your daily life, you know? Um, like people are buying those those surgical masks. And <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It's like, okay, that's really not going to prevent it in any way, shape, or form. No. You know, the people who need that are doctors who use them in conjunction with a clean suit that basically seals them off from anything airborne. Because the mask isn't going to be able to filter out everything airborne because you can get it by if it comes in contact with your eyes and all that other kind of stuff. So... Yeah, if you're dealing with people who you suspect have the coronavirus, uh, I don't know, GTFO? I, I have no idea. I mean, it's if only if you're coming in contact with people who you suspect may have it. Sure. 
and they're already showing symptoms of having something. Here's here's a perfect analogy. And this happened about 20 years ago. And to this day, I still use this as an analogy of how stupid people can be when it comes to spreading germs. My wife and I were driving up to Woodstock, Vermont. We stopped along the high. It's not even a, you can't even, it's a highway in Vermont, which is essentially a glorified street, as it were. Um, and we went to this McDonald's because we were hungry to get some lunch. And, and, and there was a little bit of a, of, of a crowd you know, in front of the counter. And I was watching one of the older McDonald's employees with the, the blue gloves, the, the blue safety gloves. Yep. And I was watching him handle food, then take out the trash and then come back in, then come back inside after handling the trash and flipping the, the lid of the dumpster and, 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 and moving the trash else, yeah. around, get back inside, handle handle more food with those same gloves and then somebody said hey charlie what are you doing here and he does that covers his hit his 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 mouth his eyes and his ears with like the three monkeys see say something yeah. Yeah. see nothing see say we something. will hear no evil speak no evil. right and um and i and i looked at and I, and I saw my wife and i could tell that my wife was also seeing everything and then we got to the to to the line to the end of the line and the woman behind the counter had said may i help you and i said yeah i i need to see the manager like right now like right now so the manager yeah. came over can i help you and i explained to him what i just saw and i says do you have any idea how dangerous that is and 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 how unappetizing that is and right. he said i don't understand what the big deal is he's wearing gloves he might as well not be at that point. He might as well, because he's handling food. He's handling, after handling the trash with those gloves, he's handling food and putting food into the containers for people to consume after just hand. And the, and, and the manager was like, I don't understand what the big deal is. He's wearing gloves. And then yeah, it's like, he and hasn't then, changed them at all. Right. And then my wife. My wife went into full Kitty McKill mode. And she says, Oh boy. And you've seen my wife angry. Yes. Name, name something that's more terrifying than my wife angry for a justifiable reason. Um, I don't know, a rabid yeti. Okay. She said, Listen, you dumb son of a bitch. He's handling food with contamination all over the surface of those gloves after handling the trash. What part of that do you not understand? And then he did this exasperated, but he's wearing gloves. Yeah, exactly. And then and then it was like uh. I threw up my hands and I said and I said everybody, I'm sorry. The all the food behind the counter has been contaminated. It's not safe to eat here. And droves of people like walked out after seeing this exchange. And the thing yeah. is, is that wearing a face mask and smearing Purell all over yourself is not going to help the fact that people are still touching public service surfaces, touching public services. That'd be interesting. <laughs> I shouldn't make you laugh. <laughs> touching surfaces and then touching your, their mouths, their noses, or their eyes. The eyes are the worst. 
Well, yeah, and and people don't realize that is you can get infections through your eyes. Um, that's something that I was surprised when I found oh, out. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's it is a sensitive part. It is a porous surface. You know, we, your eyes are not like you know marbles in your head. You know, things come in and out through your eyes. Yeah. So it is possible to get it in and yep. get any infection in through your eyes. Yeah. Which is why they always tell you. Don't rub your eyes. Exactly. You even know, even, don't even rub if your it, eyes if you've you know if you've been handling something. Wash your hands before you touch your eyes or nose. Like if you've been handling chemicals and you touch your eyes, <laughs> you know, right? Don't be don't be don't be like playing with turpentine or jalapenos. Oh geez, don't no, do don't, it. Don't, if you're going to touch your eyes after playing with jalapenos, make sure you have it recorded for posterity. <laughs> And, and, and don't play with jalapenos. Don't cook with raw jalapenos and chop them up and then touch other sensitive areas in your wife or girlfriend's body. That's not smart. That's a, yeah. that's a, that'll ruin your evening really quick. Yeah. Um, so just be smart. And I understand people are angry and frustrated that conventions are being canceled or postponed because of the coronavirus. They've moved the release date of the new James Bond film, No Time to Die, to November um, because they're afraid of packed theaters being a great way to pass along the corona. The corona so is, are they worried about that or are they worried about like what is the it's, it's James Bond. So what's yeah. the is it dealing with like a. Um, you know, biochemical weapon. Kind I, of thing. Th I think that that's what's really going on is that, yeah. that, that the, one of the plot points in the movie has something to do with specter. And this is pure speculation on my part. Like this yeah. is not, uh, Oh, and spoiler alert, this is speculation on Eric's part. We don't know if this is actually in the movie or not, but, but there is speculation that part of the movie deals with, a scientist, a Dr. No-like character developing an infectious disease and passing it along through nefarious ways. Right. Like releasing this infectious disease in movie theaters or something like that. I think, it, I think that they're postponing it because they don't want to taint the movie or, or it's sort of like... It, it might be considered in bad taste to release the movie now when there's a, a the thread, the threat of spreading the coronavirus. Right. So see that I get. Right. If, if, get. if no time to die is about Spectre developing a biological weapon. You know what? Yeah. I have happened to have the sum total of human knowledge at my fingertips right here. The Oracle so, of Google. Yes. So, what is the name of the movie again? No Time to Die. No Time to Die. Let's find out. Which sounds like something I would say to my wife if I have to stay up late after working 12 hours to take care of the dishes and the laundry. Sorry, baby. No Time to Die. Got no time to die. So... While Jay is looking that up on the internet, now is a great time to remind you that you can support the show by visiting our Zazzle page, zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. With every sale, 12.5% goes directly back into keeping this podcast and all the others on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. That's 
Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Okay, well, they aren't giving us much. I mean, the Google page says that, or the uh, Wikipedia page says, five years after the capture of Ernst Strabo Blowfield, James Bond left active service. He's approached by Felix Leiter, a friend and CIA officer. Leiter enlists his help in the search for Valdo Albruchev, a missing scientist. When it becomes apparent that Albrechtchev was abducted, Bond must confront a danger the likes of which the world has never seen before. Yeah, that's probably that's probably what it's about. Yeah, just saying that that could that could probably have something to do with a, a biological weapon being developed by a member of Spectre. Right, and they and they don't you know they don't want to capitalize on that the 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 coronavirus fear. Mm. Yeah, it could be. I mean, they're not really giving us much a uh, much to go on. No, but it it is it is what it is. So speaking about it is what it is. I want to play a clip for you. Oh, and I want to I want to get your hot take. We're mo- we're we're moving on from the coronavirus. Yep. All right. Let me see if I let's. What are the odds of this clip playing without any problems? Let me start with my headline tonight. I'm retiring. This is the last hardball on MSNBC, and obviously. This isn't for lack of interest in politics. As you can tell, I've loved every minute of my 20 years as host of Hardball. Every morning I read the papers and I'm gung-ho to get to work. Not many people have had this privilege. I love working with my producers and the discussions we have over how to report the news. And I love having this connection with you, the good people who watch. I've learned who you are, bumping into you on the sidewalk or at waiting at an airport and saying hello. You're like me. I hear it from your kids and grandchildren who say my dad loves you or my grandmother loves you or my husband watched it till the end. Well, after a conversation with MSNBC, I decided tonight will be my last hardball. So let me tell you why. The younger generations out there are ready to take the reins. We see them in politics, in the media, in fighting for their causes. They are improving the workplace. We're talking here about better standards than we grew up with fair standards. A lot of it has to do with how we talk to each other. Compliments on a woman's appearance that some men, including me, might have once incorrectly thought were okay. We're never okay. Not then and certainly not today. And for making such comments in the past, I'm sorry. I'm very proud of the work I've done here. Long before I went on television, I worked for years in politics, was a newspaper columnist, an author. I'm working on another book. I'll continue to write and talk about politics and cheer on my producers and crew here in Washington and New York and my MSNBC colleagues. They will continue to produce great journalism in the years ahead. And for those of you who have gotten in the habit of watching Hardball every night, I hope you're going to miss me because I'm going to miss you. But remembering Humphrey Bogart and Casablanca will always have Hardball. So let's not say goodbye, but till we meet again. So Chris Matthews was fired. (laughs) <laughs> no, there's no other way. There's no other way to explain it. Chris Matthews was fired. And- yeah, when you retire, you give a date. Yeah, you say I'll retire as of this day, kind of a thing. Yep. When they retire you, it's pretty immediate. I'm just going to let you know that I'm going to retire from the Fedora Chronicles in the year 2062. So, um- all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be July. It's going to be July 23rd. 2062 and i'm just going to let everybody know that it was a, a really great fun it was a, a blast who knew who knew when i started doing this podcast back in 2004 that podcasting would evolve into holograms that you can manipulate and poke and 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 fondle all you want 
It's been a blast. You had to go to, it's because I'm sick and I'm not the one saying it. That's why you're picking up my slack, isn't it? Yeah, I am. I'm picking up. Uh, Chris Matthews was fired. That's, 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 that's the, what the, was interesting to me is his, his statement about comments that are not okay right. to make to women. Right. I'm wondering if that has something to do with it. Well, I'll tell you something. And let's just go, let's just go full conspiracy theorist for a second. Ooh, I love it. All right. Chris Matthews was not fired for, for a reason. Chris Matthews was fired for a, a whole bunch of reasons. Mainly the reason why he was fired was because of the, the of the Me Too movement and the Harvey Weinstein's conviction and a lot of women coming forward and saying, this guy did this thing to me that made me feel uncomfortable and created a toxic work environment. Chris Matthews is one of those people who says things that are grossly inappropriate, even for somebody who is like, and what time is hardball on? MSNBC on the on the East Coast. I, I can't. You ask me that like I care. I okay. mean, I don't. I don't know what time. All right. So Chris Matthews said a couple of things about a woman's appearance that just simply is. It's only appropriate if you have a podcast with only dozens of listeners and you're recording out of your house in Utah or New Hampshire. Okay. And some of the things that Chris Matthews would say. I don't think I would ever say on this podcast. I don't think that I've ever said anything disparaging about Elizabeth Warren's appearance. Right. And I don't think that I've gushed and fawned over how hot and attractive Sarah Palin was during a debate. Like, there's something really exciting and titillating about her. I don't think I've ever said anything about Sarah Palin. And if I have, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and I can't quit now because I promised that I would retire in the year 2062. Um, but he said he has made comments that are grossly inappropriate while on the air doing hardball. But then, then he then did. Then there's that whole sends a shiver down my leg comment. Talking about o o Obama sending a shiver down his leg. Yeah, that's just creepy. That's just, I mean, listen, if that's the way you swing, swing. Yeah, if, if I don't mind, I just don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know, um, and and but and that in and of itself is disturbing. Another thing that he said, and he and he broke one of the cardinal rules in journalism: do not. It's like Fight Club. The first rule of the deep state meetings is don't talk about the deep state meetings and what they talk about. The second rule of the deep state is don't talk about what is talked about in the secret private meetings. Chris Matthews said last week in regards to, to, to Bernie Sanders, the Democrats would be better off with Trump winning another four years than having Bernie Sanders in office because that's going to rattle the cages of the deep state. That little bit, the last part about rattling the cages of the deep state, that's my interjection. Yeah. Chris Matthews said that Democrats would be better off with Trump in the office for four more years rather than allow Bernie Sanders to win. See, now, this is the thing I don't get. Why is Bernie such a threat? I mean, not that he's a threat anymore because Joe Biden surprisingly came out on top of I don't think Super it's a Tuesday. surprise. I don't think it was a surprise. But you go ahead with your thought. 
Um, well, surprising to me because I thought Creepy Joe was gone. But anyway, why is Bernie, what is it about Bernie that is such a threat that the DNC insiders don't want him to get the nod? What is so dangerous about him? It's really too bad that we don't have a podcast where we can talk about conspiracy theories. <laughs> All right. It's Let's a, hear it. It's, Let's a, hear it's, it. it's the same thing with Tulsi Gabbard, but I'm going to explain to you why Bernie Sanders is such a threat. Bernie Sanders wants to dismantle what President Eisenhower said in his address to the people before he left the White House. And he talked about the un. The military-industrial military complex. Industrial complex. Now would be a great time to insert the last paragraph of his speech, his farewell address to the American people, talking about the military-industrial complex. I might insert it here. Our military organization today bears little relation to that known of any of my predecessors in peacetime, or indeed by the fighting men of World War II or Korea. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. American makers of plowshares could, with time and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. How to do this? Three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. We annually spend on military security alone more than the net income of all United States corporations. Now, this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. By now, you should know who really controls this country. And I'm, oh, not, yeah. ta I'm not talking about the Illuminati. I'm not talking about a secret cabal. No, it's uh, the wealthy industrialists. It's the wealthy industrialists. It's, it's the people who wine and dine the senators and the congressmen and fund the campaigns to get these people elected and reelected who are actually in charge of the country. That's at some point you have to realize that that is not a conspiracy theory. That's a conspiracy fact.
and it's it's the perpetual bureaucracy and the campaign donors of large industry who are actually in charge of the country. And there are some people who cannot be bought, cannot be controlled. Two of those people happen to be Tulsi Gabbard and Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders has come right out and said, these are the aspects of American society that we are going to dismantle. And we are going to try and run the country under my presidency, Bernie Sanders, as a, a national, no, I'm sorry, a democratic, na, a democratic socialist country like Norway and Sweden. And that terrifies the, the deep state, the people who are writing the checks for the campaigns to buy people like Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren. Because let's not forget that many of the people who donate to Elizabeth Warren's senatorial campaigns are executives from Raytheon. Right. Okay. Because Raytheon is, for people who don't know, Raytheon is a huge government contractor. They are big part of the industrial complex. They build the, they don't build the weapon systems, but they build a lot of the components used in the weapon systems. Um, and they are a massive, massive presence in Massachusetts, in the state of Massachusetts. They're, they're probably one of the biggest employers next to Walmart. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he wants to dis dismantle the money machine in Washington that keeps people fat, dumb, and happy in Washington. It's like, have you ever been to Washington, D.C.? Yes, I have. Okay. And when I was there at Washington, D.C., Carol and I and the kids were there for a week. And by the end of the week, I would have said or done anything to be able to live in that area. It's strikingly beautiful and that there's an energy there that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah, that's one of the differences between you and me. I never would. I never, I've, I've visited there several times over the years and I've never once felt like I could live here. Really? Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's uh, just that it's too urban for my taste. I, I can deal with suburbia. I prefer not to be, I prefer to be a little more rural. Um, but yeah, I've, I've never really been to a city where I'm like, oh yeah, I could live here. Oh, it, 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 it oh, oh, I did not realize that I, I actually bought this book. A perfect book that basic, that really illustrates why Washington insiders are terrified of a Bernie Sanders presidency can be found in the book by Mike Lofgren, the deep state, the deep state, the fall of the constitution and the rise of a shadow government. And this is not one of those books where it's like, it talks about like the Illuminati and, and secret backroom deals. Well, no, it does talk about secret backroom deals, but it's about, it's about billionaires who buy, sell, and trade senators and congressmen and appointed officials. And, yeah, and that's the, that's the, this is where sometimes I wish I didn't, I hadn't paid as close attention to politics as I have. Right. Because there are, uh, how to, how to, how to say it. There are, there are things you figure out when you take a close look at it. And one of those things is like term limits. I used to be huge on term limits. Yeah. But the downside of term limits is that the faceless 
unelected bureaucracy right. becomes all powerful because usually a senator or a congressperson has to be in office for a term or two in order to just figure out what the hell's going on because it's an incredibly complex machine. And until then, they rely on their staff. Once they figure out what's going on, they'll fire their staff members. Now, that doesn't mean they've lost a job because none of their staff members work for them. They either work for the party or they work for Congress. In most cases, they work for Congress itself. Staff members will go from Republican to Democrat and all that other kind of stuff. So what ends up happening is with term limits, those unelected bureaucrats basically become in charge because they're always teaching the new people what to do, right? And there's no one there long enough to figure out the ropes for themselves and see through what's going on. So for that reason, I am not a fan of term limits. Um, I would prefer if we could have term limits without having to rely on that bureaucracy. That would be my preferred method. But that's just not realistic, at least not at the moment. No, no. So that's just that's those are the things that, you know, you you kind of learn when you start really, really looking in politics. And then sometimes, you know, you just once you figure shit like that out, you're like, okay, so that's where people think this deep state right concept comes from. It's not like there's a group of people twirling their mustaches behind the scenes saying, what can we sell the stupid rubes in the public today? Right. They're not really doing anything like that. It's just people doing their jobs. But what their jobs are is basically running the country until the people who are supposed to be running it figure out what the fuck they're supposed to be doing. Right. And Chris Matthews, to make sure that we don't get off on a tangent and we forget about poor Chris Matthews, Chris Matthews came right out and said what the plan is. And the plan is to allow Trump to have four more years in the White House because nobody raises money for the down-ballot Democrats than Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the DNC's favorite boogeyman. And that once Trump is gone... The money people are donating to Democratic candidates dries up. Oh, the war is over. We don't need to. We don't need to donate to. Right. So the evil boogeyman is gone. Now, here's a question for you: Is their coffers are still light from the fiasco that was Hillary Clinton's campaign? Right. The, The actual DNC party coffers. The DNC that's being now run by Tom Perez is, is, I'm not sure if they're running a budget deficit or they're just keeping their heads above water. Because there's been, because as documented by Donna Brazil in her book, Hacks, she let everybody know under no certain, certain, certain terms that the, that the DNC party coffers, the actual national coffers, all that money was ta- was spent by Barack Obama and his 2008 campaign, and 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 his his re- his re-election bid, and Hillary Clinton, with help of the the Clinton Foundation, floated them alone with the understanding 
that, that she would be the she, she would, would be, be the, the party candidate. nominee. That she would be the party nominee. Okay, a lot, and I didn't even realize this until this month. What is going on within the DNC under Tom Perez? There is chaos going on within the party because there is nobody. There's nobody that anybody has any confidence on the debate stage who could actually beat Donald Trump. Right. And to be fair, that's not because Trump is a great debater. It's because Trump is such a wild card. Yeah. He's very difficult to have that debate against. Right. Simply because you never know what the hell's going to come out of his mouth. It's not because he's some sort of genius debater. Not at all. Just so we're he's not a master. Just so we're clear. Let's be sure we're not saying that Donald Trump is a master debater. We're not saying right. that at all. Exactly. We're saying, if anything, we're saying the opposite. Right. Now, right. Chris Matthews has had a couple of serious guffaws in the past couple of months. It's not just one controversy. It's a series of controversies, and last week, I think it was up until Friday, there was a hashtag trending, Chris Matthews resign, or Chris Matthew fired. There was really? a campaign on Twitter to get Chris Matthews fired because of the inflammatory things that he was saying. He also made, he also made some stupid remarks about Elizabeth Warren's appearance. Let's not forget that. But uh, yeah. he crossed the line when he said a couple of things that were embarrassing to the people who actually run the country, specifically saying the Democrats would be better off if Donald Trump won the White House for four more years. That goes against the entire narrative. Right. If Trump is so awful, is Trump is so bad, we need to get him out of office immediately, post-haste. Impeachment didn't work. Well, it depends. If you ask Nancy Pelosi, it did. Russiagate didn't work. Impeachment didn't work. <coughs> Stormy Daniels yeah. and 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 the case brought forth by Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti is now going to prison. Yeah. Trying to well, shake down Nike. to be honest, no one really expected that to damage Trump. A lot of people put their faith in it. Rachel Maddow did about three years of coverage of Russiagate, and nothing came of it. Right. I think Rachel Maddow is next. I think Rachel Maddow is is her head is probably going to be on. The you think chocolate. so? Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't. Yeah, but she hasn't. I mean, this is this is where reality steps in, right? Because it's one thing for Chris Matthews to quote unquote retire because yeah. everyone's like, okay, yeah, it was time for him to go. Rachel Maddow is still young. She hasn't made any of those those overbearing guffaws that a, yeah. Chris Matthews has. Yep. So what excuse are they going to use to get her to go? Her ratings suck. Her ratings uh, Her ratings suck. The only time that she actually has great ratings on her show is she does something um, sensational. Oh, we finally got Trump's tax returns. They were 20 years old or 15 years old. Yeah. You know, like, this is it. This is it. Tune it. In, tune into the Rachel Maddow show, and we're, we're going to let you know this is the end. The the, the light is at the end of the tunnel. The, um, Trump. And I can't world. imagine that sits well with her. I mean, I don't. I don't. I'm not a big fan of Rachel Maddow. I don't watch her a lot, but she's the times I have watched her, she doesn't strike me as someone who is big on useless sensationalism. You know, she seems to be someone who's like, she wants to 
if it's a big deal, she wants to be able to tell people it's a big deal. And then when it shows up, it is a big deal. Unless she's like completely gone over the deep end, which I suppose is possible. She, that just seems out of character for her. And it could be because I'm misreading her. I mean, I don't know. There's a, there is a, there is a lot of sensationalism on her show. Whereas like she will have some huge, big revelation. And then it turns out that that big, huge revelation like didn't turn out into anything like it's sort of like the big revelation about Trump's taxes that they, they got a copy of his old tax return that was 10, 12, 15 years old. And it didn't mean, it didn't mean anything. There was no meat on it. Well, all right. So here's my take on the whole tax return thing, whether it's Trump or, you know, Biden, I don't really care. What are you, what do you expect to see in there? Because no one is ever going to say, I took, you know, $7 million from uh, this donation as, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anything suspect in there is not going to be able to be proven except by someone who is a forensic accountant. And even then they would need more than just the tax returns to find that kind of stuff. So this is where like everyone going all ballistic about so-and-so didn't release his tax returns. It doesn't matter because you're not going to be able to get anything from them anyway. Mm-hmm. Tax returns are the lies that, we, that people tell the government so that they don't get taxed overly much. What are you going to find out? That a millionaire didn't pay as much in taxes as this average person did? If you haven't figured that out by now, you probably shouldn't be paying any attention to politics because you're too stupid. You know, it's just... The game is rigged when it comes to taxes and the people who are wealthy can afford to pay the people who know the game well enough to make sure they're not paying a lot in taxes. Exactly. That's just all there is to it. So I don't get this whole, we need their tax returns for what you need to wipe your ass with something that is really going to hurt. I mean, come on, it's not going to do anything. No, you're not going to find anything there. That's like a big gotcha. Oh, he says he's a billionaire. Instead, he only made, you know, $400 million last year. He's not a billionaire. Who gives a shit? Nobody cares. I mean. Nobody gives a crap. Oh, Trump lied about how great he is? No kidding. Really? It's like saying water's wet. What? Come on. Trump lies about how terrific he is? Really? I I know, right? I mean, the thing is, you'd want to get a hold of something a little bit more substantial, like his diary. And I mean, can well, you can you just? I don't even know about that, but you'd want something like you know a smoking gun, like something that proves you know a recording of him talking to the mafiosos saying, "Oh yeah, when I'm president, I'm gonna make sure that you're taken care of because you're like family." Or you know, I sound more like Bernie Sanders. What you need to know is that it is going to be so amazing for the mob. The mob likes me. The mob loves me. You want to know why? Because nobody takes care of the mob like I. America has the greatest mob in the world. It's a fact. I know it because I said it. That's why. And I want the mob to go out there and I want them to take care of all the beautiful people out there and make sure nothing happens to them. Like Jay Cousineau and his beautiful, soft, gentle hands. <laughs> hey, don't pick on my IT. <laughs> but you know, they pay the bills, damn it. You you know that there are people out there who are trying to hack his emails and hack oh, yeah. his phone to see 
if there was anything sensational, you would think that we would have found it already, or the hackers just aren't really trying hard enough. Well, I mean, I can't imagine Donald Trump is all that tech savvy. I, I think that I think that once he discovered the Twitter app, he was all set. He didn't need anything else. Yeah, and he's like, so I just I just say whatever I want, and everyone <laughs> reads it. I have been looking for this my entire life. Right, right. You know? I don't need your farm bill. I don't need your candy crush. I don't even <laughs> right? need your Facebook. Okay, I got my Twitter, and I'm all set. Thank you very I've much, got my pride. I've got my orange crush. <laughs> you know, I... <sighs> So, anyway, uh, we, you, and here we are. We're going off on on track, but th- th- don't be surprised if more heads roll on hardball. And and, and th- I think the the greatest sin of all is the ratings that have been in the dirt for quite a quite a long time, and Fox News has been beating MSNBC for the past couple of years, off and on. But consistently, consistently for the past couple of years, Fox News has been beating MSNBC and CNN, and that is an unforgivable sin. And mostly because of of Chris Matthews' bloviation. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. After I get done with recording this episode and putting it on the server for our Patreon listeners to listen to first... I'm sending my resume and the link to this podcast to MSNBC. And I'm going, you, you think it's funny. How desperate would they have to be you to say, think, yeah, let's give them a show. Let's, I, like I said, I'm willing to move to Washington, D.C. for four or five nights out of the week. I'll, 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 I'll vacation and I'll weekend here in my home in New Hampshire. Or they could like set me up. Like they did for Mike Barnacle, I'm willing. I'm willing to do the show from Boston or Manchester or Worcester. I'm willing to do hardball wherever they have a solid, fast internet connection. I'll even get. I'll. I'll. I'll, I'll do a GoFundMe to have somebody to help me build a set that looks just like the hardball set, either in my basement or. You know, we'll put up a barn, and on the top floor of the barn, I'll have my okay. I'll have okay. My set. Here's the deal. Yeah, you have to promise me this. Of course, if you do get that position, if by some fucking miracle MSNBC goes, ah, fuck it, why not? What's the worst that can happen? You can't do any worse. You have to promise me you're going to do the show with your pajama pants on. I was going to say the rubber gummy pants, but let's be honest, they're kind of hard to walk around. In. They're hard to, and you hear this. Wee! Yeah, it's the strange squeaking. You know, you're walking so you around. gotta you gotta like do the show in your underwear or something every damn day. Like my long underwear and matching socks. There you go. Right. right. Exactly. Walk out there with like your socks with the holes in it. You know, the comfy socks that you wear when it's really cold outside. Oh no, I throw I if I'm telling you right now, this is maybe this is TMI, but any socks that have any holes in them, I throw them out immediately. <sighs> I know I do. I'm telling you. Or Carol throws them out immediately. But here's the thing. Okay, that sounds and, more and, accurate. And I'm reaching out right now to MSNBC. Whatever Chris Matthews was getting paid to do that show, I'll do it for half. I'll do it for half. And maybe we can throw Jay Cousineau in 
like, like for two for one. Jay and I will do the show for MSNBC. We'll do hardball. I don't think we should call it hardball. We should call it something else. Yeah. I don't know. We'll figure that out. But we'll anyway, out. if you're willing it, to do it. Seriously. Absolutely. How, I'm, we're, I'm going to start sending emails off to the folks at MSNBC. And I want, I want them to know that we're serious. We'll do, we'll do hardball at half the price for Chris Matthews. Two for one for half the price. How's that sound? That's right. So, so speaking, speaking of horrible letdowns, do we want to get into the, um, the lawsuit Tulsi now oh. incorporated via versus Google LLC? Is that something we want to get into now or did you have something else in your mind? Um, no, I think we should get into it. You've got, you've got it all over the, uh, the show page. So, all right. So judge sides with evil tech giant Google and throws out Tulsi Gabbard's case while DNC changes the rules again. This is from Forbes from last night, March 4th, 2020. Judge throws out Tulsi Gabbard lawsuit claiming Google was trying to, quote, silence her by Rachel Sadler, like I said, March 4th. And this is a quote from Judge Stephen Wilson. What plaintiff fails to establish is how Google's regulation of its own platform in any way is equivalent to a government regulation of an election. Google does not hold primaries, it does not select candidates, and it does not prevent anyone from running for office or voting in elections. To the extent Google, quote, regulates, unquote, anything, it regulates its own private search speech and platform. So this is where he's absolutely right. He really is. The judge is is 100% right. But Google is a private company. They can do whatever they want. People use their service and no one is forcing them to. So Google has the right as a private organization to mess with your search results as much as they want. Yep. There is no freedom of speech on Google because there's no one that's going to enforce it. It is not the freedoms that we have, the freedom of speech. They end when it comes to, uh, they begin and end with the government. So that's not to say that we get them from the government, but they only pertain to the government. Mm -hmm. If you and the privacy of your house don't want anyone talking about politics, you have that right as a private citizen to say, there's no talking of politics within my house. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. You bring up politics, you're going to be invited to leave. You have that right as a private citizen. Of course. And as a corporation, Google has the right to do the exact same fucking thing. Right, but? Shady as hell. Right. But they haven't broken any laws. But what they did was immoral because they took... Oh, absolutely. They took Tulsi's money. They took Tulsi Gabbard's money for the ads. They spent like $50 million on Google ads. And they specifically throttled down. And we've documented this before. They they throttled down her search engine results after she performed well during the first DNC debate. And this is where the the statement of the lawsuit comes in right now. I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to be a lawyer. I'm I, but as I understand things, 
if she was suing them because they downplayed her results, which resulted in um, her having a lesser place, she has no leg to stand on. If she sued them for breach of contract because she paid them for advertising that they then stifled. Yes. Depends on how her contract is written with Google. So if she sued them for the wrong reasons, then her, her case is definitely thrown out. Right. There's nothing she can do about it. You know, so this is where people play the system. And Google, let's be honest, they're part of that tech industrial complex. They yep. own senators and congressmen. There will never be anyone to compete with Google because Google has paid enough Congress people, Congress critters, that they never will have competition. They're never going to let anyone become as big as Google is. It's because so, now yeah. it's against their own interests. Because it looked because it it looks like this. From everything that I've read, this is what it looks like. You call up your favorite Chinese food restaurant and you place an order and you give them the credit card information over the phone. And on the way over to pick up the Chinese food from the restaurant, you get an email alert saying that your favorite Chinese food restaurant took out $45.99 out of your bank account. They charged you for the food that you're about to pick up. You get there and you say, I'm here to pick up an order for Fisk. And they say, fuck you. We don't like your politics. We don't like your politics and we don't like the name of your website. And we sure as fuck don't like your hat. Fuck you. Get out of here. But you paid you paid for your meal. Fuck you. We're keeping your money because we don't like you. We don't like we don't like what you say online. It's the same thing. Google took her money. And then throttled right. down her search results. Now, is that a criminal but case? She can't, but she, hold on. But what right. she can't do is she can't sue them because, because they don't like her politics, right? She, that's where the lawsuit falls apart. Okay. You couldn't sue them because they're refusing to serve you because, first of all, you're not gay or a minority, so it wouldn't fly anyway. But just because they don't like you they have a right to refuse service to people. They have a right to be bigoted assholes is basically what it boils mm -hmm. down to. So if you sued them because they were bigoted assholes, you're not going to get anywhere. If you sued them because they did not provide the services you that they did not provide the services, but accepted the payment. Now you've got a case. Now that's probably where... Tulsi Gabbard and company should have. Right. And I don't know if they did and it still got thrown out. I don't know. Right. Because it is possible that the, that the judge is siding with Google for other reasons that are not as, shall we say, honorable. Yeah. yeah that is a possibility. Uh, whether it's likely, I don't know. I don't know the judge. I'm not familiar right. with them. It seems unlikely to me that that would be the case, but it's not outside the realm right. of possibility. Now, some of the coverage of this infuriated me. Yes. A perfect example, Tom McKay from Gizmodo. Tulsi Gabbard's PR stunt thrown out by federal judge. Yeah, and I'm sorry, PR stunt? How the fuck is that a PR stunt? She paid them for a service that they did not provide. And she claimed that, that, that they're tampering with the election... And I understand why Tulsi Gabbard and Tulsi Gabbard's people would say this. Google is trying to tamper with the election. I understand their perspective. 
And I also understand they paid for a service. And not only did they not get the service, they actually throttled down her search results. Right. Okay. And the thing is, and the thing people have to remember is there is people have documented that the search results were different depending on what country you were in. Yeah. If you were in Canada, you got different search results than if you were in the United States. And it happened during the, um, during the debate. So this is pretty clear cut case of evidence of them fiddling with their search results, which is something they claim they can't do. Um, But that's not what she sued them for. So continue. So, Tom thinks that this was just a PR stunt and and, it, and a way for Tulsi Gabbard's campaign to get wanted attention. Uh, I'm not convinced of that at all. I'm actually thinking that, I mean, they, they did what they had to do. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard's people paid money. They, I mean, my money, my campaign money, the money that I donated to Tulsi Gabbard yep. to keep her election or her Candidacy. Candidacy going was taken in this was taken from Telsey Gabbard in exchange for a service. They took the money and they didn't provide the service. Right. And, and that's where the problem comes and in. And they and they made it difficult for people to look up Telsey Gabbard and who she is and what was her record when she needed she needed those search results the most. And you can make the argument that because they played games with their search engine algorithm, her campaign stalled. You can make that argument. I make that argument. Well, I mean, it's an easy argument to make, to be honest with you, because stellar performance in an early debate changes perception going through the electoral process. So you could definitely make that argument. Again, though, she really doesn't have any leg to stand on legally because the government can't reg doesn't regulate. I'm not saying can't, but doesn't regulate search engine results. So should, should this have been more of a civil case than a, I don't know if it was a criminal case. It's there's no, 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 it should should have been a civil case. I'm sorry. Did I misspeak? I don't know. I may have misheard. Okay. I'm blaming the medicine. Okay. So, well, yeah, so it, it's, it's it's a civil case, but even then, they haven't violated her rights because as a business, they are under no obligation to provide her or anyone with the free speech. Now, that's something that's an important distinction right. that people need to realize. No company is under any obligation to allow you to use their platform for your free, to exercise your freedom of speech. They are under no obligation because they are a private company. Mm-hmm. Even if they're publicly traded, they're a private company. They are not the federal government. Our Bill of Rights extends only to the government. The government cannot prevent you from saying what is on your mind. They cannot pass laws that prevent you from doing that. That doesn't mean any private company or any private citizen is obligated in any way, shape, or form to do the same thing. If you want to sit on my front lawn and bloviate to, you know, to anyone that walks by about, you know, um, how the dinosaurs have evolved into the reptars and they're all in the, the highest echelons of our government and hiding, 
I'm under no obligation to let you do it from my front lawn, and no one is under any obligation to listen to you. Sure. So what Google did is basically say, okay, we'll let you stay on our front lawn, but you know we have a wall there, and we're not going to remove it. Is basically what they did, or they set up a wall, right, while telling her they wouldn't. So if it's a breach of contract thing, then she's got a leg to stand on. But I don't know that she has one. I don't know that she had a contract with them. I, I have no idea about any of that. So I think that she would actually have to get a lawyer to actually look at the terms of service using Google AdSense and AdWords. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because Google will change those on the fly too. So what do you think of... I think Google's an evil, evil fucking corporation is what it is. So what they they, do, what, they live by the maxim of do no evil and they fucking violated that. That's what I think. So what they did was immoral, but it's not illegal. Correct. All right. Which is another reason why everybody should switch to DuckDuckGo or, yep. you know. Um, it's also why DuckDuckGo should be paying us. <laughs> but I thought I thought it was really sort of funny how Tom McKay had published an article the day before. I went to CPAC to see how conservatives think big tech is censoring them. And the gist of his argument is that he thinks that people like us are crazy for pointing out the fact that Google is playing with search results and that they are removing people's content from search engine results. We've said now here's here's the funny thing about that though. Like I haven't I haven't read that entire article, but the interesting thing to me is that um they're giving away their politics, right? So from the second paragraph, Gizmodo, Gizmodo went to the belly of the beast. Yeah. Okay, so you're a liberal, right? You're giving away your politics in there. So by default, I have to take everything you say now with a grain of salt and with a judging by that right. one statement of pretty hefty grain of salt. Right. So you want to prove them wrong walking into it. Sure. Which means you have a preconceived notion. Which means anything they say, unless the evidence is extremely overwhelming, and even then, you're not going to believe them. So why did you bother going? Because they have an agenda. Right. They're trying to prove they're trying to prove their political opponents are idiots, right, or whatever. And the gist of the article is that these people who say that they're being censored by social media like Google and Facebook, and to a smaller extent, Twitter, are fucking crazy. But some of the people who are getting censored ought to be censored because they're saying some pretty crappy things. So the censorship is justified in some way, shape, or form. I mean, like we had pretty much already established, it's not illegal, but it certainly is immoral. And right. because of the problem that I have, and a lot the problem that a lot of people have, is that if we say, here's, a, here's, what's, here's what's wrong with what's happened to American democracy in the past 60 years. It's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. It's American politic thing. It's a military industrial complex, complex like Eisenhower had said, that we need to watch out for. We're like, listen, I'm 50 years old. My son is turning 18. He's thinking about joining the military. You listen to somebody like Tulsi Gabbard, who was saying, we have got to stop these regime change wars. We have got to stop spending money overseas while our infrastructure here in the United States is falling apart. The reason why we don't have health care 
like other countries do in the, mo- the modern industrial world is because we are spending money hand over fist with these regime change wars. And at the same time, we're rebuilding the countries that we're blowing to bits in- while our roads and our bridges and the rest of our infrastructure is falling apart. Somehow Tulsi Gabbard, and to a smaller extent, Bernie Sanders are bad people for saying we have got to stop spending our money blowing up and rebuilding these other countries and maiming hundreds of thousands, if not millions of innocent civilians while our country is falling apart here at home. Somehow that makes us crazy, wackadoo conspiracy theorists. Somehow we're bad people for saying We don't want our kids to get blown up and killed in regime change wars that have nothing to do with us, that don't affect us in any way, shape, or form other than perpetuating the the petrodollar. I'm an asshole because I don't want my kid to die in one of these stupid fucking regime change wars. I don't want my kid to go and die in a foreign war because Donald Trump has to prove that his dick is bigger than... Name a president in in, in, Kim Kim, Kim Jong-un. I don't want my kid to die because Donald Trump is in a dick measuring contest with a dictator in a third world country. And that somehow I'm fucking crazy. I'm the insane one. I'm the I'm the freaking douchebag because I look at I look at what's been going on in the Middle East for the past 20 or 30 years. And asking what the fuck did we get? Out of all of this, how is the world better for what we've done in the Middle East? I'm asking the question, how is the world better? And I can't give you an answer. Nobody can. Nobody can. Is the world safer for democracy because of what happened during the Reagan, Bush 1, Clinton, Bush 2, Obama, and now Trump administrations? And I look at a candidate, somebody like Tulsi Gabbard, who says we need to stop with these regime change wars and start spending that money at home and, and, and treating our veterans better, treating our children better, treating retirees better, trying to find a way to provide better health care and rebuild our own roads and bridges. Somehow that's crazy talk. Right. And there are people like, oh, you want to go isolationist. That's not what you're saying. What you're saying is, why are we over there? What is our objective? What have we done? What have we accomplished? We have been over there now for decades. And what have we accomplished? How is it that, how is it? What is our purpose? How is it that you have somebody like Barack Obama, who has extended the powers of the Patriot Act, somebody who took us from three foreign conflicts to seven has committed more violence using drone strikes than any president before him with with the possible exception of Donald Trump. How is, how is, how is that? How is bringing that up a bad thing? Well, it's also, it's, there's a little more to it than that too, because there's a lot of people who don't, believe or don't realize how much Barack Obama did in terms of drone strikes and attacks on foreign soil. You know, 
you've got people out there that are so blinded by partisanship that doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. There are people in both parties that are this bad. There are people who say that Barack Obama never had a single um, controversy during his presidency. And it's like, okay, so you don't remember the beer summit. You don't remember Fast and Furious. You don't remember, you know, there's like three or four other things that I could think of if I wasn't high on drugs right now. Right. So a medicine, medicine, high on medicine, high on medicine that are li- that are listening. You know, I mean, there's a lot going on that people are turning a blind eye to because their particular party candidate is the person that did it. That doesn't necessarily make it right. Like Bush going out, Bush declaring mission accomplished. Well, if the mission's accomplished, why the fuck are we still there? You know, I've got a friend of mine who's getting ready to ship out in like a week. Yeah. And he's going back over to Afghanistan. If the mission's accomplished, why the fuck is he going to Afghanistan? It's he's funny. got a wife and a kid at home. So why the hell is he going over there to get shot at? You know, I mean, we need to understand, and this is something that has been a massive failure. What is it we are getting out of this? And people are like, no blood for oil. Okay, fine. That's, but at least you know what you're getting out of it. Right. At least we're getting oil out of it. We're not getting shit. We're making the world safer democracy. Who gives a fuck? If they don't want democracy, they had wanted democracy, they would have fucking done it themselves. Exactly. You know? And this is the stuff that I don't I don't get. I don't understand. And I, I You have a guy again, I, you have I, a, I consider ahead. myself a conservative, but these are things that you typically hear coming out of a liberal's mouth. You should be hearing from a liberal's mouth. You should well, I don't know be. about should, but you typically do. You typically do. But you, right. you but, know, and it, the truth comes out is that, you know, hey, just because I'm a conservative doesn't mean I want to send my kids somewhere overseas and have them die, especially for, for some poorly defined mission that turns out to be irrelevant in terms of how long we're going to spend over there. You know, I understand going someplace because they attacked us. And kicking ass. I understand the precedent that was set at the end of World War II to help rebuild those countries in terms of making political allies. That is not the case here. These people are always going to hate us because it's a religious war. They believe in their heart of hearts that it is worth the lives of themselves and their children to die in order to fight the great Satan who they define as us. How are you going to win that war it's a war of ideas and the truth is you're not going to win it you're not because they have to change their minds and there is nothing you can say or do to change their minds there's nothing i can say or do to change their minds they are either going to continue to believe their hateful rhetoric or they're not and that extends to the politics in the united states things have gotten so divided not that they've never been this divided before, they have, but with our our media and the internet, it's more obvious to us how divided we are. And it's pointless. We're on the same fucking side. Right. There are people who, like Ted Kennedy, the height of the Cold War, met with the Russians, are enemies yeah. to plot the assassination of his political rival, President Ronald Reagan. And nobody cares. Or nobody, no one the, cares. Nobody, nobody cares. cares. No one bats an eye. No one gives a shit. That's what's the word for that? Oh, fucking treason. Right. 
But Ted, you know? Kennedy, Ted Kennedy did it. Ted Kennedy solicited the Russians for help in defeating Ronald Reagan. And, and that's not, oh, it's Ted, it's not a big deal. Bernie Sanders is talking about all the great, wonderful things that these communist and socialist dictators did in other parts of the world. Hey, listen, you got to give Hitler credit. He made the trains run on time. I mean, Bernie didn't say that exactly, but he said that almost word for word about the Soviet Union. Say whatever you want about Joseph Stalin. They really have beautiful train stations. They have really great public transportation systems that are the envy of the world. Let's just forget for a second that Joe Stalin, and now I'm interjecting with sarcasm. Let's just forget yeah. that Joseph Stalin killed tens of thousands, if not hundreds of millions of his own people. Fidel Castro yeah. had a wonderful literacy program in Cuba so that all the children yeah, he, knew how to He killed everyone right. that wasn't literate. And he didn't kill anybody who was literate or didn't buy into the, to their doctorate which I think is a, is a little on the disgusting side. But, yeah, well, you know, I'm the fucking crazy one with the podcast. Right. And it, it was just like, it's okay, it's okay if Ted Kennedy asks for, this, for the Soviet Union's help in defeating Ronald Reagan. Donald Trump asks for the Russians' help to hack Hillary Clinton's email. Oh, my God, it's an impeachable offense. Oh, my God, impeachment. Throw him in jail. And it was like it's see, that hypocrisy that's where, that's that drives where we me lose crazy. people, though. That's right. Yeah, because it was wrong when when Kennedy did it, when Ted Kennedy did it. It's still wrong when Trump does it. Exactly. That doesn't make it right, but at least be fucking consistent. Spe you know. Well, speaking of consistent, I sort of blew up Twitter this morning when I had posted. Um, but Hunter Biden was was trending because Hunter Biden. Um, uh, let me just read you the quote that so far 35 people liked in an hour or two. But Hunter Biden is trending in regards to Jared Kirshner's profiteering thanks to his cabinet level position in his father-in-law's Oval Office. Exactly. What about all the other D.C. insider nepotism? Biden's and the Trump's and Chelsea Clinton and the offspring of all the other senators and congressmen. Because if you're if you're if you're going to be pointing out malfeasance from one party, you might as well be pointing out the malfeasance in your own. Because if it's wrong for the Democrats to do this, it's wrong for the Republicans to do it. If it's wrong right. for the Republicans to do this, if it's wrong for Ted Kennedy to go to the Soviets looking for help to defeat Ronald Reagan, it's wrong for Donald Trump for asking help from the Russians to hack Hillary Clinton's emails. I'm complete in, in agreement with that. Yeah. And it's just because the other side did it. This is not this is not two wrongs make a right. That's not what this is. And it never should be. I don't care who you are, whether you're Republican, Democrat, male, female, transgender, gay or straight, it doesn't matter. If you did wrong, there should be a, a, a hearing and a trial and then a conviction or a vote to convict or acquit, whichever. And I know that I'm going to take a lot of shit for saying this, but Donald, Donald Trump is not the symbol of everything that's good and pure for the Republicans. Oh, hell no. Donald, Donald Trump is a scumbag. Yep. Okay. Mike Bloomberg was worse. Mike Bloomberg has done some scummy, sleazy things. 
that makes Donald Trump look like a innocent choir boy. The only problem is, is that Donald Trump gloats about the dumb shit that he has done. Right. And the Democrats were ready to sell their souls to push Mike Bloomberg across the finish line because Trump is so awful and so bad. And then a couple of Democrats saw his performance on that debate and he was, he, his flesh, his bones were picked clean like a, like a drowning gazelle in a river full of piranhas. But there were, like, Joe, Bay, Joy Behart was ready to vote for Mike Bloomberg to get rid of Trump. And there's no evidence whatsoever that Mike Bloomberg was actually better for the country than Donald Trump. Yeah, but he's anti-gun, which is good enough for her. I guess. So speaking about changing the rules to suit their agenda, and, and forgive me... F- in advance, if, if I butcher this poor woman's name. Zolchi Hinojosa had posted on Twitter, We have two more debates. Of course, the threshold will go up. By the time we have the March debate, almost 2,000 delegates will be allocated. The threshold will reflect where we are in the race, and it always has been. And this is in regards to whether or not Tulsi Gabbard will have a place on the debate stage. Okay. All right. Now, a lot of people are complaining that now that Tulsi is actually, she's, she actually has a delegate. She's, oh, that's good. She's crossed the threshold. She's crossed the threshold that's necessary to be in the debate. Whether you like Tulsi Gabbard or not, Tulsi Gabbard should, should be in the debate. She's not dropped out of the race. She's still taking donations. She's still doing town halls. She's still meeting with voters, and she's still on the ballot. I don't. I, I don't. I don't care who it is. If if they're on the ballot, they should be on the debate stage. I agree. Okay. I agree, but you got to remember the debates are is not the government. No, it's the it's the party. The party decides. The Democrats oh, get no, to decide. It's a company. It's a corporation. That the comp- that the parties hire, and it, those companies decide who's going to be on the debate stage. It's not even a party thing. It's the party basically outsources it, and then the c- private company decides who's going to be on the debate stage and who isn't. So, what do you think? Do you think Tulsi Gabbard should be on the debate stage or not? I do. I think she should. Like you said, she's on the ballot. She should be on the debate stage. It's as simple as that. I also think, though, that our <clears throat> when it comes to the the presidential race, after all of this preliminary shenanigans are over with, anyone who is running for president should be on the debate stage. I realize that means he'll be, you know, Nazi, the Nazi party presidential candidate will be on the debate stage. But I think that's fine because let them spout their hateful rhetoric and everyone will go, OK, I'm not voting for you. Because, damn, you know, but why not have the Constitution Party, the Green Party? Why not? Why not have them on the stage? Well, don't don't you want to streamline the process? Because those people have no chance of winning. They have no chance of winning because they can't get on the debate stage. That's exactly it. Of course, I I want to streamline the process. I want to streamline the process and actually have people make the decision. Because as far as I'm concerned, the less two 
the less we have only two parties in our federal government, the more actual debate is going to get done in Congress, which used to be the most elite debating club in the world, but now it's not. It's just bloviation, people spouting hateful rhetoric. The more people that we have to choose from, the more different viewpoints are being represented in our Congress, the more likely we are to get meaningful legislation passed that is going to have value to the average person. We don't have that right now because right now we only have two parties and there's so few of the other parties present in Congress that even if you are a third party member, a third party candidate, when you go in, they say, okay, are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? Well, I'm not, I'm neither one. Okay. But are you going to caucus with the Republicans or the Democrats? Well, I want to caucus with the Republicans about this and Democrats on that. No, you've got to choose one. Okay, so now your third-party candidacy means shit. That parenthetical letter after your name is just shorthand for I am this party light. I am, you know what I mean? It's just, it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. Because our third-party candidates that we currently have sitting in office <clears throat> are basically members of one of the two main can- main parties that they're treated the same, they get money from them, all of that shit, which is bullshit. They should have their own separate seat at the table. They should be able to say, you know, well, I disagree with this party on that. I disagree disagree with that party on the other thing. That's the value of a third party. And the way our Congress is currently run, they're not allowed. They're not allowed to have a separate opinion on separate topics. They have to choose which party they're going to be really a member of. And I think if we had more third party candidates, it's easy when out of the 395 people that are sitting in Congress, you have a grand total of, I think, six that are not either Democrat or Republican. Yeah, It's easy to poo-poo them. But, you know, if you have like, say, 150 that are neither Democrat nor Republican, now you got to start taking that shit seriously. So who's left in the race now? Just really quickly, who's who? Who's left in the race? Joe Biden. Let's see, current Democrat candidates. I already have the answer, but you go ahead and you look, see if you can get you can get a better answer. So it looks like Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Bloomberg. Did no, Bloomberg, Buttigieg no, quit? No. Bloomberg. Bloomberg is out. Bloomberg dropped. Yep. Buttigieg but, dropped. Butterkeg's out. Yep. Klobuchar is still out. in. Nope, she's out. She's out too? She's out. So there's Tulsi. Deval Patrick, I think, dropped. He's out. Andrew Yang, out. I think, dropped. Or is he still in? Out. He's out. Yeah, he dropped. John Delaney, I didn't out. even know he was running. He's out. Michael Bennett and Tom Steyer, I think, are both out too. Yep. So we're down to Tulsi, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden. Tulsi Gabbard should be on the stage. Yeah, there's only four fucking people. There's only there's, four, no there's only four candidates left. There's only four candidates left. Yeah. And here's the thing. Joe Joe Biden is is going to be brutalized by Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is is now has a taste of blood. He's been punched in the mouth and and now he's hungry for more. He's well, going to he know. Is, Does he go- have it in him to be with I don't, this I, Here's the thing. I'm of two minds. 
Bernie Sanders is going to start going after Biden. If well, Bernie, he should, but he does, should. Is, does he have that in him? Or is it going to be like, because Mike McRae, who I'm following on Twitter, one of the funniest people who does these great, he, hey, he does better celebrity impressions than I do. Except I, okay. I, I have, what? What was that? I said, okay. Oh, I thought I thought you were like, yes, yeah, okay, yes, he does. Yes, you don't even know who I'm talking about, and already you think he does a better impression. Okay, well. he does amazing impressions of um, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders. He does great, a great Bernie Sanders, a a great imitation of Joe. Well, not an okay Im- imitation of of Joe Biden. His Buddha keg is brilliant, spot on, and he does a whole bunch of other ones. He does this great bit talking um impersonating bernie sanders and bernie sanders like whenever he talks about somebody who's who's campaigning against him or one of his rivals he says listen joe biden i know joe biden joe biden's a friend of mine see i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna try to imitate it because mike mccray is so good but the thing is everybody is listen look listen i like joe biden Joe Biden's a friend of mine, but he's wrong on this issue. Elizabeth Warren, I like Elizabeth Warren, but she's wrong on these issues, and so on and so forth. One or two things is true. Either we're actually going to start to see the eye of the tiger in Bernie Sanders and see what a cold-blooded killer he can actually be on the debate stage and see how brutal he can get with his commercials targeting Joe Biden. I don't see him doing it with the commercials. If he goes, see, now this is where, and this is all personal preference, right? Yep. I would rather see a candidate not go into mudslinging with their commercials, but when they're on the stage are ruthless. Yeah. Right? Because if I'm looking for a politician to represent my country, which is what the president does, then I want them to be able to be to be brutal when they need to be, but always prefer to take the high road. Yeah. You know, so if you're, if you're slinging mud in your campaign ads, then you're not, you don't give a shit about the high road. And I want them to care about the high road. But if you're in a debate and you're face to face, you've got to be able to be brutal when necessary. And I honestly, I just don't see Bernie going there. I really don't. He's, he doesn't have that quality, which is even if I agreed with him politically, which is why I wouldn't necessarily ever really vote for him, because the president of the United States has to be able to look some pretty damn ruthless, evil people in the eye and not blink yeah. and be able to say, no, you're wrong. I'm going to do this. And I think Bernie Sanders would be like, look, I, you're a nice guy. I don't have anything wrong with you personally. And then by then they've lost all respect for, him. you know, that's unfortunate, but that's the way the world is. Yeah. You know, I would rather have a nice guy sitting in the top spot, but you need to have a nice guy who's willing to put on the fucking gloves and go to town on the other guy yeah. when necessary. Cause that's part of the job. You know, we can't have a doormat sitting in the Oval Office. That's not good. You know, 
that's how we end up with bad trade deals. That's how we end up losing, losing face, losing political clout on the international stage. Cause political clout isn't always about military might. A lot of times it's about, Hey, look, I'm going to make you a promise and I'm going to stick by it. Exactly. Or if I'm going to violate that, it's because you've done something to change the dynamics of it, but it's the ability to, have consequences and apply those consequences when needed. Yeah. So you're basically making a promise to somebody and then, Hey, as long as you're good, as long as you're straight with me, I'll be straight with you. But then you have to be able to follow through on that. It's like raising kids. You can't tell the kids, Hey, you say that one more time and that's it. You're punished. You're going to, you know, lose your, lose all screen access for the three days. Right. And then they say, they do whatever it was. And then you again say, I'm telling you one more time. Well, you already gave them that one more time. So now they're not going to expect you to re- to enforce the rules that you're stating. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing on the international stage. As soon as you hedge once, that's it. They're not going to believe you anymore. You know, and that's, that's unfortunate, but that's politics. Yeah. That's the way the world works. It's the way people work. So... It sucks. People suck. People are assholes. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, we don't, we don't get to choose the kind of world we live in. We have to deal with the world as it is. And we have to do and our I, best to change it the best we can, which, right. which is, which sort of takes me back for a second to Tom McKay and some of his comments and some of his articles. Whereas, if you, if you claim you're a journalist, if you call yourself a journalist, you should be upset and pissed because social media platforms and platforms in general are censoring other people for pretty petty reasons. What kind of a journalist thinks it's okay and actually funny to see other people be censored or have their content deleted off of platforms? Because they don't matter to them. Who cares if a bunch of fucking loony right-wing assholes are having or think they're being censored? Who gives a shit about that? But what they shouldn't be talking anyway. What the hell's wrong with? Well, yes, and I know that you're being sarcastic. Yeah, but that's the real that's the real problem that I have. Right, and and I actually called him out on this on Twitter over this issue. How is it? How is it okay for a big tech company? To take people's money and then not perform or provide the service they were paid to do. How is that okay? I have I, I honestly have no problems with Tom McKay posting what he posts online. I, I, I'm not a fan of his work. I would be angry and frustrated if somebody was deleting his content or removing right. his content from search engine results. The, the same way I would hope that he would be upset that my content is not showing up on search results, as I've documented time and again. If you actually call yourself a journalist, or if you actually call yourself a reporter or an advocate for the First Amendment, you should be pissed that tech companies are removing other people's content, even if you don't agree with it. I would even go so far as to say, especially if you don't agree with it. Like, for example, 
um, you and I are more acutely aware of, like, for example, you can't, there used to be a number of gun centric channels on YouTube. YouTube's yep. gotten rid of all of them. They've kicked them all off because they don't want to have guns on YouTube. All right. As a private company, fine. Um, where's the alternative though? Is there an alternative? Is there an alternate version? Some of them have gone to Pornhub. Some gun channels are on Pornhub. Are you kidding? No. Some of them have moved to pornography sites because those pornography sites actually reached out to them and said, hey, obviously we're not going to let you stop. We're not going to stop you. And it's more content that drives traffic to their website. So I don't know if, if I had a gun channel, if I would want my content on Pornhub, but you know, that is the only other viable option, really. Because who else is out there? Who else is in the video game? Um, uh, the, the the video market. What am I doing game, right now? Just completely different thing. What's that? I, I just I just looked, and there there are a couple of... Yeah, not a lot of them moved over, but some of them did. Kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? Dun-dun-dun. Sorry. Again, blaming the meds. Blame so, that's all you want. I mean, the thing is, 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 is that. But here's the thing, though. Other people's channels have been cut off, too. People that I disagree with politically have had their channels censored on YouTube. The problem is with his article is that he's only looking at it from the right wing standpoint. There are people who he agrees with who are having their channels reduced, demonetized, Traffic is being choked off to them. You have to have the link to get there, right? which is what a lot of the conservatives are saying. But it's happening to liberals, too. It's not just happening to the right wing. It's happening to the left wing as well. And that is what's wrong. Why are they limiting it in any way, shape, or form? Now, you have to understand, I have a problem with YouTube to begin with because they want people to put up content free. And then that content is used by YouTube to make money that they then do not want to share with the people who are doing the work to make the content. Yeah. That's what you call a shit business model. You're not incentivizing anyone to put content up there, but everyone thinks because they don't realize it. Everyone thinks that, oh, I'll just put my content up on YouTube and I'll become a millionaire like, you know, a lot of these YouTube millionaires have become. Well, first of all, you're not that charming. You, your, tube is, your channel isn't that great. Your content right. isn't that great. That's stuff you've got to sort out to begin with. Right. But then on top of that, a lot of people who are making money on YouTube nowadays aren't making it through YouTube anymore. No. They have Patreon supporters. Like us. And that's why they still make the content because they're still making money but they have to find an alternate revenue stream in order to do so because YouTube is not providing that revenue. So it's just, it, it gets, it gets me ticked off because it's easy for someone to say, Oh, those crazy conservatives. What are those wacky nuts thinking now? Well, they're thinking that, not all of them, mind you. A lot of them don't give a shit about what liberals have to say, which is just as bad. But what they're thinking is that my rights are being choked off and you don't give a happy fuck because it's not happening to you or people you agree with. And that's where I have a problem because if you're not going to support the speech you don't like, 
you have no right to bitch about the speech you do. Being right. Speech you do like being trampled on. Because that's not how the world works, you know. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I want to advocate for, um, you know, Nazis having free speech, but they need to have it. We need to hear what those assholes are saying. All of the racists out there, I don't care what color of their skin they have. There are racists, there are racist Asians, there's racist, racist black people, there are racist white people. It doesn't matter. There are racists because being racist is a human thing. It's not limited to people who have paler skin, right? We need to hear what these people have to say so we can recognize evil when we hear it. We can recognize that bigotry. Yeah. And then do something about it. Same thing with, you know, misogynists or misandrists that are out there. People who are saying that man has kept the, the woman down for too long. It's time for man to be slaves under women. That's just as bad as a misogynist out there saying women don't know their place anymore. You know, it's both. Both yeah. of it is yeah. hate speech, you know, and right now worldwide men are a minority. There are 51% of the population of the world is female right now. Yay! I'm sorry. <laughs> I caught you my know? limit. I have my one. That's all I need. Um, the, you know, the, so the thing is, as far as I'm concerned, we want to hear what all of those asshats have to say. A, I want to hear what they have to say. A perfect example of this. And I don't know how we're doing on time. Yeah, we, we got to start wrapping it up. All right. But anyway. Fine example. Last weekend... While I was keeping my wife company while she was doing, while she was working um, over the weekend, I joined a couple of conspiracy theory websites and I was promoting the podcast, of course. And I was also reading what other conspiracy theories people are interested in. And I'm astonished by the flat earthers and how backwards and silly some of their arguments are. There are three kinds of flat earthers out there, neither of which I can abide. I know for a fact that there are people who work for the deep state, the big, huge, scary deep state, who have people posting disinformation and are trolling to make real conspiracy theorists seem dumb. Like if I say I'm into conspiracy theories, specifically the JFK assassination, there's some people who are like, oh, I guess you're a flat earther too. You believe you're just flat? No, because I don't consider the flat earth conspiracy theory to be a real conspiracy theory. There are people out there who troll for the flat earth theology, as it were, because they are trying to discredit real, true conspiracy theorists. Then there are others who just do it just to troll, just to get people's goats. They say that they believe the earth is flat because it just stirs something in people like myself. You spend a semester in a geo geology class, a college level geology class, you will not come out as a flat earther because of all the science and geometry, the physics. Well, I would say you won't come out as a... <laughs> You still can come out as a flat earther if you're going in there just to prove a point that the science is wrong. I've learned to not underestimate the stupidity of people. Okay. Well, you're, you're more generous than I am. 
And then there are people I don't, who- I there, don't know if that's generous. <laughs> there, then there are people who are just genuinely stupid when it comes to flat earthism and that they watch one video on YouTube and all of a sudden it's like, oh, the, the, the earth's flat. Oh, the earth, oh, guess that's right. The earth is flat. Hey, Ricky, the earth is flat. Just like it says in the Bible- because the thing is, is that the Lord made the, the earth a big, huge, flat disk. And and just like the, in, the entire human population started with Adam and Eve, and then they had three sons. And then they, let's change the subject back to how were there dinosaurs when there were people walking around the earth? I mean, it's yeah. there are people who believe that. And they reject the science, physics, geology, geometry. And then there are people who, in one post, they will say, we never landed on the moon. The entire Apollo mission is a hoax. And then the next post, they'll say, the reason why we never went back to the moon is because the Apollo astronauts found something Right. Could you be at least be a little consistent? Which is there? it? We never did. We on... go to the moon, or did we not? Did we go to the moon and find something that upsets the paradigm here on Earth, or did we never land on the moon at all? Which is right. it? Which is it? And should do I want to censor those people? No, I just oh, want. No, I, I, far too much fun. It's it's far too much fun explaining to people, like. The, the different strata and where vac where volcanoes come from, you know, because of like gravity and pressure. And so have you heard about the, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. There's a, uh, I think they're called Vernians who they believe that the earth is hollow, the hollow earth theory. Sure. Did you know that the guy who flew over both the North pole and the South pole was a member of that he believes that there's the North Pole has a a big like there's a hole where the North Pole is and that if you if you that he could fly his plane into that hole he said that and it's like well holy shit I mean other people have been to the North Pole and they didn't say that <laughs> you know what the hell was this guy smoking can you go to DuckDuckGo or Bing or use Yahoo or, God forbid, Google and look at pictures of the North Pole? And then, of course, oh, but those pictures are fake. There's an actual... Well, that's just it. Right. Now, here's, here's the other thing, though, right? It is possible there are caves that go very deep into the mantle. Sure. It is possible there is a cave at the North Pole that goes very deep into the mantle. That's spot, yeah. However, that being said, that doesn't necessarily mean it's exactly at the North Pole. You know, it's just, and and are you talking about? Well, the magnetic North Pole has has moved several times. Sure, has moved. It's consistently moving. moves. It's, it's moving now. Moving. It's moving now. Yeah. So I just find it really, <laughs> I just find it fascinating. Breaking the things news. that people want to believe or will choose to believe. Breaking news. I'm trying to verify this. Oh. I'm trying to verify this breaking news. We're breaking news while we're recording the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Breaking news from CNN. Senator Elizabeth Warren is ending her presidential campaign after performing poorly on Super Tuesday. What? 
Elizabeth Warren just dropped out of the race. Wow. Look at that. I guess she didn't build that. I guess she didn't have a plan for that. Yeah, she well, she didn't build it, so it's it's okay. So now the Thanks. only now So the, that leaves that now leaves Tulsi, Bernie, and Biden. No, I'm speechless. By the way, this is going to be this is this is skirting close to a two hour long show. <laughs> yeah. Elizabeth. Yeah, I probably should get to work at some point. You today. really should. You or you could just call in sick and we I could I could um we could record another episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotta I got shit I gotta do today. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can cross this podcast off that list. But yeah, breaking <laughs> news. Elizabeth Warren has dropped out of a race. Out of the race, as it were. Wow. That's like they went from like at the beginning of the week, there were, because Buttigieg, he left at the beginning of the week. Klobuchar hadn't left. Bloomberg was still in it. I know because I got all the fucking advertisements, but I think, like, Deval Patrick had dropped out. Delaney had dropped out. So I think at the beginning of the week, there was one, two, three, four, five. And I hear your neighbors playing with their toys next door. Yes. Yes, they, they do enjoy playing with them. Um so the beginning of the week, there was like five or six candidates. Now there's three. That's pretty. Wow. I, I thought it would take longer, to be honest with you. I didn't think it would. People would topple this quick. That's kind of surprising to me. It's it's sad. I mean, I mean. Listen, I mean, we had an entire episode or two making fun of Elizabeth Warren's blatant lies about Bernie Sanders, because I cannot believe, I can't believe that Bernie Sanders would actually tell Elizabeth Warren a woman could never be president. I don't believe that. I choose not to believe that. Right, exactly. And I do believe he may have told her, well, we've gone over this. Yeah. We've gone over this. So... All right, apparently my neighbors are telling me to get the fuck off. <laughs> damn. All right. Thank you for such a great show, Jay. Thank you, Eric. And and hey, special thank you to our listeners. Thank you for sticking Absolutely. with us and thank you for our new subscribers. Um, we got 10 new subscribers. Uh, no, actually, no, it's closer to eight. We have eight new subscribers on SoundCloud in the past week alone. So I want to thank all us. I want to thank all of our new subscribers. Um, who are listening to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, um, Apple iTunes, all of you. Thank you so much. Literally, you're the reason why we do this. Certainly are. We're glad to have you on board. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Federal Chronicles radio show with hosts Jason Cousino and Eric Render King Fisk. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our past shows, show notes, and recent articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook after you found it so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, FedoraChronicle at Google.com. 
are great ways to drop us a line with comments and show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt or coffee mug. Terms and conditions apply. And thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and all the others on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme song for this show is Royal Flush by Olive Music. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is edited and produced by Eric Render King Fisk. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2019-2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of Jason Cousineau, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chin up and your fedora on.